The next thing I recall was being in the middle of a now dry ravine somewhere in the desert near Sedona. Hours had passed since I had been walking down the crowded path from the vortex. I'd watched enough X-Files to know lost time was never a good thing. And we weren't talking minutes. We were talking hours. You've entered into the world of alternate realities. Here, paradigms are shifted. Minds are blown. And veils are lifted. Actual supernatural experiences are brought to life through storytelling by the people who experience them. Welcome to Adventures in Mysticism with Leah Grant, where the esoteric is explored and consciousness is expanded. Visit adventuresinmysticism.com to further your spiritual development through Leah's latest offerings. And now we continue with this episode's mystical adventure. I had only been on the dating app for a week, maybe two, when I matched with a guy who looked like Billy Idol. Spiked bleached hair, leather jacket, the works. There was a glaring difference, though. He listed his height at over seven feet tall. I had dated a guy who was 6'4", and another who was 6'5", so I wasn't intimidated by his stature, even though I'm just 5'5". In fact, confession, I was a bit intrigued by someone who had dressed like an 80s rock star and was as tall as most NBA players. Both of these traits actually provided the first little clues that, let's call him Billy from here on out to preserve his anonymity, gave me that he was different from other men. There will be many more clues, but from here forward, I won't point them out. I'll just allow you to pick up on them as I share the experiences that unfolded. So Billy claimed to have never heard of Billy Idol and said he'd never played basketball. While I could believe someone had made it through life without hearing White Wedding, it was harder to fathom a tall boy having never played basketball. But I was in a place with my dating where I was giving most every guy a chance, so I just overlooked it. There could be lots of reasons why, right? Our first meeting was a restaurant near the water. He was already there and seated when I arrived and he was dressed in the same clothing he had on in his profile photos. White t-shirt, leather jacket, black combat boots, spiked hair. I was in a breezy sundress since it was 75 degrees out. Are you warm? I asked, noting that he wasn't sweating, not even a slight glisten on his forehead. Not at all, are you? He replied. No, I'm good, I smiled. We ordered, and food disappeared from his plate, but looking back, I don't recall him ever eating it. After the normal pleasantries, we fell into a conversation about spiritual phenomenon and other related topics like astrology and metaphysics. He was well-versed in these topics and spoke freely about them, 
though occasionally he would use a word I'd never heard before. Since it was our first date, I opted not to interrupt him to ask what they were or what they meant. I am able to read energy fairly well and could feel his energy was strong, dynamic, and powerful. I could also feel that he was holding back, perhaps not wanting to overpower me. I found it interesting that he was that aware of his energy to control the intensity of his aura. Then it was time to leave and he stood up. Wow, over seven feet of leather clad man is a lot of man, if that's what he was. I asked him to walk me to my car, to which he replied, okay, we can walk to mine too. I had no idea what that meant. So I told him where my car was and he said, mine is right here. He had gotten a spot right in front of the restaurant. Pretty impressive or lucky given the eatery's location on the water. His vehicle was a giant white dual wheel truck with a big oversized wheels. It looked like it belonged somewhere at a rodeo in the Midwest rather than a beach town in California. But I figured a guy as big as him required a big vehicle. Billy, where are you from? I asked. He ignored the question and launched into describing the truck I could clearly see in front of me. When he stopped, I said, now we go to mine. He happily began walking again. At my car, he gave me a kiss on the tip of my nose and headed back to his truck. I thought the night had gone well, but with that kind of goodbye, not even a hug, I figured he wasn't into me. I shrugged. It had been an interesting evening. As I drove home, though, I realized I didn't even learn anything about his childhood or family or where he went to school or even where he lived. I didn't even know if I was into him, but I did know I was intrigued by him. Surprisingly, Billy sent me a message the next day saying he wanted to take me down to the coast for a day. Guess I read that nose kiss all wrong. The weekend was coming up, so I agreed. In the days leading up to our second date, he contacted me several times and brought up the topic of reincarnation and how he was so excited we'd been reunited. I didn't have any recollection of having known him before. He was insistent that we did and said our first stop on our day trip would help me to remember. Saturday came and he arrived to pick me up in a bright yellow Lamborghini. My roommate looked out the window and said, what does this guy do for a living? I realized I didn't even know which seemed odd to me that in all of my conversations with him, we never once discussed that. My roommate, being suspicious, took down the license number and told me to text her midday and let me know I was okay, and then again later too. I got in the car and said, no truck today? He said, it was too hard to park here, so now I have this. Seemed logical. So what do you do for a living? I realize I've never asked you. 
He glanced over at me, gave me a sly smile, and replied, I do a few things. I responded, that's vague. He came back with, it's complex and I don't want to talk about it today. The curious part of me was really wondering who this guy was, why he seemed to have no history and no job, but had a 200K sports car and always dressed in the same outfit. Please don't tell me you were a drug dealer. I half joked. He laughed. No, I'm not. We're here. He had pulled into a parking lot of a building located not far from where I was living, though I hadn't recalled ever seeing it, and I couldn't find it again when I looked for it later to point it out to my roommate. The building was painted all black except for a fire engine red door. In white letters across the also black awning was a name in cursive. The font was so artsy, I couldn't make out the word. Or maybe it was a word I just didn't recognize. There was a black BMW and a black Mercedes in the parking lot. We walked in and there was a small entryway with a counter at the far end of it and a wooden stool next to that. The ceiling height was so low that Billy had his head tipped sideways to avoid hitting it on the ceiling. A dark-haired middle-aged guy was behind the counter. He nodded at Billy and disappeared through a door beside him, coming out a few moments later with a long, bright red shoebox. Billy took the box looking giddy like a kid in a candy store and he said, these will definitely make you remember. He opened the lid and pulled out one patent leather thigh-high lace-up five-inch stiletto-heeled boot. I might have gasped. Those reminded me of nothing in my past. He handed the boot to me, oblivious of my shock, and said to try it on. I settled on the stool, tugging on the boot. I didn't recall him ever asking me my shoe size, but it fit perfectly. The guy disappeared behind the door and Billy and I were left in the entry alone. Once I had both boots on, I unsteadily stood up. His desire became palpable and I felt the wave of his overpowering energy fill the room. It was intoxicating and yet I suddenly wanted air, but I didn't trust myself to not break an ankle trying to walk to the door to get it. Billy looked at me expectantly. I forced a smile. Wow, these are something. I'm sorry, though. I still don't remember. He helped me take them off and tuck them under his arm, disappointed they did not bring back instant memories of what he then described to me in the car were years of us being married and enjoying BDSM play. Yeah. I definitely didn't have memories of that. As we drove away, it occurred to me he hadn't paid for the shoes. Although the guy knew what he wanted without even speaking to him, so perhaps he'd pre-ordered them? I got a weird feeling in my stomach thinking about it. 
Though I didn't feel in danger, I was a little concerned what the rest of the day might hold. As if hearing my thoughts, he informed me, before we get to the place where I'm taking you, I need to drop something off. We drove into a neighborhood somewhere in Orange County and stopped in front of a house in the middle of a block. From the outside, it looked like all the other houses in the neighborhood. Inside, there was no furniture. He told me to wait in the empty kitchen, and he went into what I'm guessing was a downstairs bedroom. He was there for about 10 minutes and then came back out. I didn't see anyone. I didn't see him bring anything in, and I didn't see him take anything out. Kind of suspicious. We got back in the car and I asked, did your friends just move in? There's no furniture. He said casually, no, they don't really use any. And he launched into telling me the history of the little town we were going to. I wanted to interrupt him and say, who doesn't use furniture? There wasn't ever a good time to chime in with that. And after a few minutes, it seemed unimportant. So I never asked. The rest of the afternoon was spent with him taking me shopping and buying me some really cute clothing. I insisted he didn't need to, but he said that it was appropriate for him to do so. Again, not quite sure what that meant. I convinced him to buy a pair of jeans and a shirt for himself so he would have something to wear besides his leather ensemble. After trying on a few pairs of jeans, he announced he liked shopping as if he'd never done it before, and happily tried on whatever I brought him, leaving the store with a few shorts, some jeans, and some shirts. Since we'd skipped lunch, we had a very early dinner. I was surprised by how little he ate given his size. He had to burn some crazy amount of calories. As he was driving me back home, he said he was going to stop where he was staying. He pulled into an older but upkept townhouse community. I was a bit surprised because it didn't match the car he owned. We walked into a cramped unit. Here, there was too much furniture for the amount of space. And stacks and stacks of magazines were piled on the countertops, so high that I couldn't even read what they were. I asked if he had any water. He opened the fridge and it was almost empty. Thankfully, there were a few bottled waters and he handed me one before leading me upstairs to the room he said was currently his. A king-size bed took up most of the room and two bookshelves were on either side of the bed, filling in all the available space between the bed and the wall. A dresser sat at the foot of the bed so close that you'd only be able to open the drawers part way. There was a quilt on the bed. Did a relative make this quilt? I asked. No, all this stuff was here when I got here. Where's your stuff? Oh, I can get whatever I need when I need it, he said. Right now, he laid on the bed on top of the covers, I want to look into your eyes. My whole body fluttered at that comment. I hopped on the bed next to him, laid my head on the pillow, and we locked eyes. I was secretly hoping this exercise would trigger a memory 
similar to doing the past life regression with a former boyfriend where I remembered past lives I'd had with him. So I was all in and relaxed into his gaze. I have no idea how much time passed. I know it was a while though. I felt suspended in time, frozen yet cognizant, but unable to speak. He finally spoke. You are so pure, so pure. And his gaze deepened, sucking me in. I fought to stay in that moment. I wanted to ask, what does that mean? I couldn't open my mouth, but then he touched his lips to mine. There were flashes of colors and images, but it was all moving too fast to distinguish what it was. And then as quickly as he had touched my lips, he pulled away. Let's get you home. We met at various outdoor beachy places several more times. Then one night he announced he had a condo above where we were eating. It was a newer building on the water. I asked when he was moving in. He said he already had and the interior decorator his friend recommended had finished with the details today and he wanted to show it to me. I walked in and there was a wall of windows looking out to the ocean. It was a stunning view. I really wondered what this guy did for a living. He still had never revealed his occupation. And even though he seemed to have all kinds of money, I didn't get the trust fund vibe from him. His place was incredibly stark. There was a huge cushy L-shaped leather couch, one of those huge fireplaces that was fake and hangs on the wall, two silver bar stools with white leather cushions pushed under the countertop, a large glass blown bowl sat on the edge of the countertop. Billy had dropped his keys into it upon entering. There were two framed beach photos on the wall opposite the fireplace above the couch. In the bedroom, a long king-size bed with black satin sheets on it, no blanket or bedspread, and a single night table with a lamp was all there was. Billy went into the bathroom and I opened the refrigerator. Nothing. Opened a few upper cabinets. Nothing. I settled onto the sofa to take in the view. He joined me. Want me to show you something? He asked. I nodded and smiled. He held his hand above my thigh and in a moment I could feel heat radiating from his hand. Now, I have friends who do Reiki, and so this didn't seem too odd to me. However, he had immense control over it. He could increase the heat, decrease the heat, concentrate it to a very specific small area, or expand it to my entire leg without even moving his hand. You're a healer, I said enjoying the warmth he had now extended to my entire body, 
using only one of his hands above my thigh. No. I felt warm and drowsy and I snuggled into him and watched the sunset. I woke up the next morning on the couch with his leather jacket over the top of me. He was nowhere to be found. In my head, I felt I was getting a message that said, wait for me. So I settled back onto the couch and enjoyed the view, trying to remember what happened the previous evening. Within minutes, he came through the door. He looked at me, answering the question in my head before I even asked it. I was sun eating, he said. What is sun eating? He replied, it's where you go look into the sun and look into the rays of the sunrise, staying with them as the sun comes up. I scrunched up my face. Isn't it bad for your eyes to look right into the sun? He sighed, you silly girl. I felt like there was this secret knowledge he had that I didn't. So I didn't ask any more questions. He sat down beside me on the couch. I asked, do you have anything to drink here? He went to the kitchen and returned with a bottle of water. I have no idea where he got it from since there was none in there that I could find the night before. He snuggled next to me on the couch and said we should take a trip to Sedona for a weekend. I had never been and thought it sounded fun, so I agreed. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Skip ahead to Billy and I hiking in Sedona to see some vortexes. We visit the first two, take some photos, and then head to the third one. This one was up a hill and a, a bit tougher to navigate to, and there were a lot of people going up and down the little pathway to get to and from it. I definitely remember going up the pathway and starting to come back down. But the next thing I recall was being in the middle of a ravine. Hours had passed. Billy claimed he didn't know what had happened either. We were miles away from the vortex, the car. We had no water and there was no one around. In that moment, I realized my curiosity around all the odd behavior Billy displayed and wanting to hang out with him to figure it out had likely gotten me abducted. I'd watched enough X-Files to know lost time was never a good thing. And we weren't talking minutes, we were talking hours. Billy said he'd get us back to the car, but after walking until almost dusk, we finally came upon a parking lot, but it wasn't the one we'd parked in. I knew I was dehydrated because I had a splitting headache. I saw a car coming up the road connected to the parking lot and ran out to flag it down. Thankfully, the people were kind enough to drive us to the other lots and we found the car we'd driven in in the second one. All I wanted was water, a shower and dinner, but Billy wanted other things. I downed a water in the car and Billy let me shower first. 
the water cleansing off all of the dust felt heavenly and I started to relax. However, what happened next was more shocking than suddenly being in the middle of the desert with no recollection of the past several hours. I opened the bathroom door, which faced the end of the bed in the hotel room. On top of the bedspread was Billy. He didn't have a stitch of clothing on. He was smiling broadly and his energy was crackling with excitement and anticipation. This was the first time I'd seen him in his birthday suit. And wow, things were proportional, which I'm not going to lie, was a little terrifying. Size aside, going away for a weekend with a guy you've been dating and having him expect some sort of intimacy wasn't the issue. Beside him, he held an item that he wanted me to use on him perhaps in another attempt for me to recall the past life we had together that I still had no recollection of. I was tired, hungry, and still confused about what had happened that afternoon. And there was no way I was engaging in anything that involved what he was proposing. I literally walked back into the bathroom, closed and locked the door. I splashed cold water on my face, pinched myself to make sure this was all real, and through the door, I told him that I really needed to eat, and could he please just take a shower and let us go do that? He agreed. Dinner was awkward. I didn't know how to address the bizarreness on the bed, though I did broach the subject of him displaying some really strange behavior and me joking that he didn't seem like he was from this planet. He didn't deny that. Instead, he responded, I know you know. Too scared to verbally verify what I thought he meant, that I knew he wasn't human the same way I was, I focused on eating my gnocchi and downed some more water. Then I thought, I might as well get to the bottom of all this. Where were you born? I said the question like I was shooting a bow and arrow at him. Far from here. You've never heard of it. He shifted uncomfortably. So somewhere out of this world then, I said kind of sarcastically. He looked up from his food and stared at me with his near-transparent blue ice-colored eyes. And where's your family? Parents? Do you have siblings? Again, he responded, it's too complicated to explain. I was becoming more convinced that he wasn't going to give me a straight answer to any question I asked him that would give me a real idea of what or who I was dealing with but I pressed on. What do you do for a living? I asked. He gave me a quizzical look. I'd seen it before. I got it frequently when he did not understand a question I'd asked, though the language seemed clear enough to me. 
What do you do to make money? What is your career? What is your job? I guessed one of those would spark something. He responded, I volunteered. I'm here because I wanted to be. It's not like the way they showed me though. I had to figure a lot out. It's difficult. That was really not an answer. (laughs) I stared at him across the table and even though we were surrounded by people in the totally packed noisy restaurant, I got tunnel vision and thought I might pass out. I believe that was the moment I really allowed myself to admit that I was not just dealing with a weird guy, but I was dealing with something not fully human, an ET, an alien, some other kind of supernatural being who could create heat with his hands at will, who ate the sun rather than food and who seemed to have the ability to manifest items out of thin air. I excused myself to go to the bathroom and composed myself, breathing deeply several times in the stall. When I returned, I told him I was not ready to be intimate. I didn't recall any of the life together he remembered, and until I did, I thought it best we wait. We returned to the hotel room, and gratefully he didn't push me since he could have so easily overpowered me. Despite us having been in the Arizona heat all day, getting dehydrated, and the fact that it was still over 90 degrees out, he decided to go sit in the hot tub. I could see him in it from our room. He sat in there for at least an hour. While he was gone, I decided my best course of action was to just be nice, get back home safely, and break things off. I couldn't deny that he was not a normal human, and after the events of the day, I knew I was definitely in over my head. I made it back home, and the next night told him I didn't think we should see one another again. He seemed genuinely hurt and said he didn't understand why. I couldn't bring myself to say it was because I thought he was an ET or some other supernatural, otherworldly being. Though he called me and tried for a few weeks to get me to agree to see him again. I never did. And weirdly, I can't remember his actual name anymore. And neither can any of my friends who met him. I know it sounds crazy, but it's like our minds were wiped of the information. I know I didn't dream it, though, because as I was moving recently... I found the red box containing those black thigh-high boots. Thank you for listening. In the next episode, I'll share about performing exorcisms. Until then, remember that your spiritual journey is a supernatural adventure in and of itself. Enjoy the unfolding and embrace the unknown. Thank you for joining today's Adventures in Mysticism with Leah Grant. To go on more journeys with Leah, subscribe now. 
to step more fully into your spiritual role of bringing about a positive high-frequency future for humanity, visit adventuresinmysticism.com.